know, we started this morning with Myra's baptism. I want us just to consider that just for a moment before we get into our text today, because our text speaks very specifically to believers. I think one of the things that we see in our lives and that we know is that God has wired us to desire to be a part of something bigger, to, to make a difference. I think ultimately everybody in here would say, I want to I be a part of something. I want to, at the end of my days, when I look back, I want to know that, that my life counted for something and that I made a difference. I think we would all come together and say that. And the reality is this, is that God created everyone in here for a purpose. And that ultimate purpose is to glorify his name, to walk in fellowship with him, in communion with him, in relationship with him. And, and the problem is, is that sin has separated us from God. There is brokenness outside of Christ. There is brokenness between you and God. And I know that in this room, there are people sitting here this morning that are sitting in that brokenness, that are sitting outside of a relationship with God. And I just want you to know this morning as we begin that that there is hope, there is meaning, there is purpose in Christ. And that in Christ, you are equipped and gifted as a believer and your life makes a profound difference on the lives around you. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So before we get going, the, the words that Timothy wrote to, I mean, Paul wrote to Timothy, I think are significant. They're significant. Because everyone in here has someone who is invested in them in some way or the other. Whether it's your, your biological mother, whether it's a spiritual mother, whether it's a father, a spiritual father, whether it's a friend. And perhaps you're here this morning and you're not a believer. And, and Paul writes to Timothy and says, I want you to remember their faith. I want you to remember the faith of your grandmother and your mother in his instance. And that I know dwells in you. And I want you to fan in the flame the gift of God. And we would hope this morning that some of you in here that are not believers would turn from your sin and trust Christ alone for salvation. Because we're going to read in a moment how God has brought together a people for himself and has called us to live in unity and has gifted us, gifted us according to the measure of Christ in a way to build up the body of Christ for health and growth as his family. And it's an incredible thing. So if you're here this morning, you're not a believer, I just simply want to invite you this morning to turn your life over to Christ, to trust him today. And consider that as we go through this text in Ephesians. In college, I served as a pastoral intern uh, in, a, in a youth ministry there where I grew up. And this was all kind of new to me. I, I was not real involved in church as a high school student. Uh, my senior year of high school, I got involved. And I remember, I, I, it may have been after we graduated. I don't, I don't really recall, to be honest with you. But we went to this conference, and they gave us this big, thick packet that said spiritual gift inventory on the front of it. And this was all new to me. I looked at that and went, what in the world is a spiritual gift? What wasn't new to me was taking tests. And when I saw that it was making me evaluate things, I knew, okay, there's a measuring device in here. And so I just went ahead and flipped to the back and looked at how everything was measured and saw the things that I thought would be good to be high in as a pastoral intern. And then I answered accordingly, all right? So I went through and I answered and shockingly, right, 
I got to the end of that test, and I was gifted in the things I thought I needed to be gifted in, right? And I went on from there, right? I knew how to manipulate the system. I knew what I wanted to do, right? Well, the text this morning talks about how God has gifted each one of us. And he doesn't really refer to taking a spiritual gift inventory. So the question is, how do we know what our gift is, right? How do we know? What does that look like? Some of you in here this morning, if I said, what do you think your spiritual gift is? You may go, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not real sure what it is, right? And so we're going to look at that this morning. I want to tell you kind of where we're going. The first thing we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at kind of the, the contextual flow of where we're at in Ephesians, right? We're in Ephesians 4. We've been there for a few weeks talking about the church and God's purpose for the church as we consider that in light of the small group study that the adults have started in the mornings on caring for one another. You began that this morning thinking about pride and humility and, and prayer and, and all, all these things as far as how do we care for one another and the humility it requires to truly care for one another. So we're going to look at what's the flow that Paul's working us through here in, into this passage. The next thing we're going to do is look at verses 7 through 8, specifically of chapter 4, where Paul talks about the gifts and how God has gifted us. And we want to consider what does that mean? What, what is Paul really getting at and what's that mean for our lives? And then we're going to finish by simply asking a question I think is very relevant and one that a lot of times we don't know how to answer. What is my spiritual gift? What is it? How, how, do, I, how do I answer that question? So, so let's think first about the flow coming into Ephesians 4, okay? Are you, are you familiar with the hourglass, the shape of an hourglass, right? It's the exact opposite of what my body looks like. I look like a telephone pole, right, okay? The hourglass is not like me. It's like this, right, okay? It starts big, gets narrow, gets big again, right? That's the shape of an hourglass. I think in this passage, we see part of a, kind of a literary hourglass, if you want to say that. Okay, so you can flip back. If you want to flip back, we'll just look real quick. Look at, go to chapter 1. When that first large portion of the hourglass, what Paul begins with in Ephesians is this emphasis on all. And so when you read Ephesians 1 through 3, you see all referred to constantly. So if you look at uh, 1, verse 10, he refers to all things being united in Christ, things in heaven and earth. So In the fullness of time, God in his plan of salvation, in his work, is going to unite all things under Christ, okay? If you move over then to verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So we see this, this thing, all, he's bringing everything together, right? Go down to verse 22 of chapter 1, verse 22, and he put all things under his feet. And gave him his head over all things to the church. Some at Christ. So we still see everything is being brought together. All of creation, right, serves God's purposes. All of creation exists for his glory. All of creation is under the footstool of Christ. And he is the head of all things for the church. Okay, if you go then to chapter 3 and look at verse 9. He says, And to bring to light for everyone... What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, right? So again, we have this idea that God created all things, and he's making this mystery, this plan known to everyone, right? He wants all people to know. God's love the world, right? He sent the gospel message, his saving grace, out into all the earth that we would take the message of the gospel to all nations. So he created all things. And then finally in verse 15 of chapter 3. For this reason, starting in verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. 
So here we see that, that God has given identity to every person, to every family. We find our identity in him. Right? So we have this broad concept right, that Paul's singing, all things, all things, everything, everywhere, everywhere you look. Right? Now, when we get into chapter 4, he brings it down into a very narrow focus. Look at chapter 4. You've, you've been there the last few weeks. Pastor Bill's been walking us through and focused on what? On unity. Right? Focused on the unity of the body. Saying that the church is called to walk in unity. So we're called to walk in verse 1, a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, eager, verse 3, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now look at verse 4. Here's where we get really narrow, right? He's been saying all, 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 everyone, everywhere, all things, right? Now look at verse 4. He says there is one body. One spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. The, the emphasis here is on one. The repetition of one, 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 one. Paul's making a very clear point that there is one. Right? He's bringing it down. Where God has created, he rules over all things. He created all things. The message of the gospel is made known to all things. Christ is the ruler of all. But in the midst of this, there is one. There's one hope, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one spirit, one God over all. Over all. So we get very, no, very, very focused, very narrow in this emphasis on one. And then he's going to branch back out and go back to all, which is what we're going to look at this morning in detail. You look at verses 7 through 13. We see that each one has been gifted. Verse 7. It says that grace was given to each one of us. It's talking about all of us, right? And if you move on down, we're not going to get to 13 today. But the ultimate goal in 13, we see in 15 as well, is that until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, right? We are to grow up to Him. Verse 15. The ultimate goal is that we would all be strengthened and all grow in Christ, right? And so you have this kind of literary hourglass where, where Paul starts big, he gets very narrow in his focus, and because of where he's at and being narrow focused, the unity of the church, the fact that we are saved by one Savior, Jesus Christ, right? There's one God and Spirit overall. Because of that, we are unified, we are one as the family of God. But as the family of God, Right? He equips every believer, every believer, so that all believers will grow in maturity and grow in Christ. Okay? So that's kind of the contextual flow. Let's read, let's read four, we'll read one through eight. We've already read several of that in there, but let's just read the passage so we hear it together. Ephesians 4. I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. 
He gave gifts to men. So what Paul does is he continues this focus on the unity of the church here. Right? He continues in verses 4 through 6 to focus on the unity of the church. In verse 3, we already mentioned he's eager, says we need to be eager to maintain the unity of the church. Right? We see that the God who's worked in all things and in all people to accomplish his will will unify his people under him. Right? There's that unity that we have. Now here, here's just briefly we're going to touch on today. Is that we cannot afford to miss this in our day. We, we can't afford to miss the, the message that we've caught the last couple of weeks, that we are called to live in unity. Because we live in a day in which arguments, protest, social media shouting matches, right? Rumors and, and gossip, violent shootings, all these things just litter the news feeds, don't they? You see them almost every morning. The ticker is about turmoil and disunity and discord and strife. It, it's, it, it's on your TV screen or on your, on your phone every morning. And it's due typically to, to racial tension, to gender battles, to differing political views. And there's this constant sense of fighting and fighting and fighting. And in this culture, the church should be an oasis. It should be an oasis. It should be a place where we come together and we say, listen, I, I have a different view on this than you perhaps. But we can come together in the blood of Christ. And we can stand together for the sake of the gospel. Right? We have different, different backgrounds. We have different experiences. We have different histories. We have different ethnicities. We have different traditions. But we come together in Christ. The church should be a breath of fresh air. It should be a place where we come together in safety and security and unity, gathering as a family of believers. And Paul knows this. This is why he's driving home. One Lord, one faith, one spirit, one God overall. Because there's not disunity in the body of Christ the way God designed it. So we should be one. We should be together. That's why we're doing the study, caring for one another. Because when we genuinely care for one another, it builds the unity of the body. Right? It draws us together. When I, when I know someone's caring for me and I'm caring for them, we're ministering to their needs, it's really hard to be angry at them. Right? When we're demonstrating love to one another, it's very difficult to be disunified. So if we genuinely care for one another... We will build the unity of the church. So let's camp out on verses 7 and 8 for a little bit. Verses 7 and 8. We talked about kind of the, the context. Let's think about this. What, what God says is the giftedness of each believer in the body. There's an important signal word here in verse 7. What does verse 7 begin with? But, right? Now, so what does that but indicate? A contrast, a difference, right? He says there's unity in the body of Christ, right? But what he's getting at and what he's going to say is there, while there's unity, there's not uniformity, okay? Unity does not equal uniformity in the body of Christ. We're not all models of the same thing. We're not all alike. We shouldn't all like the same things. We're not all good at the same things. We're different. There's not uniformity, but there is unity, so, so Paul begins talking here and focusing on how God has gifted the whole body of Christ for the maturity of the body and the building up of the unity in the body. Okay, so that but is important. He says, listen, there's oneness, but in the midst of that oneness, there is great diversity. God has gifted each one. All right, so let's look at these phrases. The first thing he says, grace was given. Grace was given. These gifts that he talks about are just that. They're, they're gifts from God. God is the giver 
of gifts. When you think about spiritual gifts and, and what you're good at and your role in the body, that is not something that you designed or that you picked at the end of a test and said, hey, I'm going to take the test and I'm going to answer the questions in the right way so that I can do this because I want to do that. Right? Or I think that sounds appealing. Right? God gave you a gift as he designed. It's a gift from the Lord. You didn't earn it. There, so there's no room for pride. There's no room for pride. I can't walk around and go, hey, I'm good at this. <laughs> You're not. Right? There's no room for me to have pride about the way I've been gifted. But there's also no room for me to be jealous over the way you've been gifted. Right? I can't, I can't look at you. I shouldn't look at you. I can do it. But I shouldn't look at you and go, man, I, I, I need to be gifted like him. I need to be able to do what she does. Right? Now, just to be really honest with you, I've gone through that. Right? I've gone through that. I, I've, been I've had times where I was jealous of other believers. Because I felt like, man, I should be good at everything. I should know everything, and I should be the expert on everything, and I should be able to do everything, right? I, I thought I should be the expert on every field, everything that the church needed. It, man, Todd can do it. Todd can do it. And it about drove me crazy. It drove me crazy because guess what? I'm not good at everything. And you know areas that I'm not good at, don't you? If we, we said, hey, let's share today things that Todd's not good at, I would say some of you... Frank's laughing already. I didn't even get it out of my mouth good, and Frank's like, oh, yeah, let's do it, right? You know, don't you? You know that there are areas that I'm not good at. There are areas that I can't do well. But you know what? In those areas, this may be an area that Frank is good at, and Frank's gifted in. Praise the Lord, right? And, and the text says this is a grace given. This is God's grace. We heard, let's, let's flip over to the, the passage that Pastor Mike read. Let's look at that just for a moment in Romans 12. Let's listen again to what Pastor Mike read. Paul, Paul says, this is Romans 12, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. There's no room for pride, Paul's saying. But... To think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. God gives it. We need to think soberly about this. We need to understand that, you know what, there are things and ways that I'm gifted that you're not gifted. There are ways that you're gifted that I'm not gifted. And we need to understand that and see that this morning and be thankful. For, verse 4, as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. Individually members one of another. And he goes on to, to talk about some gifts. Having gifts that differ according to what? The grace given to us. Right? Not according to what we did. Not according to what we earned. Not according to how often we came to church. Not according to where we're from or what we look like or anything. But according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Let us use them. We're going to end there. If you want to know what's going to be at the end of our time together this morning, it's going to be this, a call to use the way that you've been gifted. All right, to use it. He says, let us use them. So if it's prophecy in proportion to our faith, the service and our serving, the one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts and his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Paul says, listen, these are the ways, if you're gifted in this, then do it. Then use it. 
This isn't a comprehensive gift. If you go through the New Testament, there's several places where different gifts are listed, and, and there's is unanimous, really, among scholars that those are not like, these are the only gifts there are. It's simply God inspiring the, the gospel writers, the New Testament writers, to say, listen, here are ways that people are gifted. Here are the ways that God has gifted his people. And if he's gifted you in those ways, then serve and to use those gifts. Right? So we are to use them. They are gifts from the Lord. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Then he says, to who is this grace given? We're back in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 7, to whom is this grace given? To each one of us. I would like for you to say that. To who? Right? Okay. He didn't say to everybody except for Vic. Right? No, he said to each one of us. He's making it very clear. If you're a believer, if you've been saved by God's grace, then you have been gifted by God's grace. Right? To each one of us. You have been given a gift. So listen, that, here's what that means. There's no believer that can say, you know what, I, I'm just not important. I, I'm just not good at anything. I, I really don't have a role to play in my church. There's nothing for me to do. That's just not true. If that's what you feel this morning, if you say, you know what, there's nothing for me to do at Grace Baptist Church, and you're a member of our church, then it's really one of two things. Either you're living in denial of the way God has gifted you and ignorance of that, and you just need help pinpointing that, or we're not doing our job as pastors to give you an opportunity to serve in the way God has equipped you and gifted you to serve. And we need to get to the bottom of it. It's one of the two, right? It's one of the two. We need to give opportunity for you to serve the way God designed you to serve. And when that opportunity is put before you, right, you need to take that opportunity and serve the way that God has designed you and called you to serve, right? Okay, so we need to do that. We need to step into that. Because here's the truth. If we know that God has given us gifts, the grace was given to each one of us, it means this, that God has so designed the body in his wisdom that each person has a role to play in the building up of the body of Christ. That means each of you in here who are members of Grace Baptist Church have a role to play to bring this body to maturity, to strengthen it, to, to unify it, to help us be all that we can be. And until each one of us are doing that, we will not be the church that we're called to be. We need to be serving the way God has called us to serve. That should give you hope. To read that grace has been given to each one of us, that should give you hope. If you're discouraged and say, I don't know. The hope is this. Well, you may not know, but let's find out because it has been given to you. You have been gifted. And that should be good news to you this morning to say, man, I, I, I have a role to play here. There are things that people need from me. That's why last week we can have a small group leader stand up and say, I need you and you need me. And I think Bill made reference. It's not because he was being prideful, but it's because it's the truth. We need each other. God has gifted us to function together, to serve together, to do more than come and warm a, a seat. God has gifted us to serve and to carry out his gifts. Look at the next phrase. The next phrase there. He says, 
Grace was given to each one of us, what? According to the measure of Christ's gift. According to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ's gift is boundless. The depth and the riches of God's grace is, is unfathomable, right? So this means two things to us today. It simply means this. One, that God in his sovereign wisdom knows exactly what this local body needs, from whom he needs it, or from whom it needs it, and how much of it we need. He knows. He knows that this body needs these giftedness. And he knows that these people come together. In his wisdom, he has providentially brought us together for the purpose that he has designed Grace Baptist for. And we are called to walk according to his calling. And to serve and use the gifts that he's given unto us. The second thing it means to us is this, is that you can be certain that God has and will empower you to do what you need to do, when you need to do it, and how you need to do it. I mean, I can't fathom a situation where, where God would say, you know what, I'm going to gift you, I'm going to give you this gift, and I'm going to leave you on your own to figure out how to do it and to have the strength to do it. Go for it. God, by His grace, strengthens you and empowers you to serve, right? He gives you the wisdom that you need. He gives you the patience that you need, the self-control you need, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, all those things. He gives you those things in order to empower you and enable you to serve the way He's called you to serve and equipped you to serve and gifted you to serve, right? So that, again, is, to me, encouraging, right? It's encouraging. Now, look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Paul says, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. What does that mean? What does that mean? He's referring to Psalm 68, specifically verse 18. Okay, Psalm 68, verse 18 is a, is a psalm that celebrates God's victory over his enemies, specifically when he brings them out of Egypt. Right? It's a psalm where they're celebrating that God has, has won the victory for his people and he scattered his enemies. Right Now, the ancient tradition is this, is that when a, a conquering king came back, and he would come in, he would come in victorious, and he would come in with a bounty. Right? You read of that in the Old Testament. When they would come and, and conquer, God gave them very in, uh, instructions on what to do in those moments that they conquer. Right? They bring that bounty, and what would often happen is that the king would then distribute from that bounty and give to his subjects, to his people. Right? He would give. If it was food, he would give. Livestock, he would give. He would disperse it. Right, so the conquering king comes in, he's scattered his, his enemies, and he gives gifts to those who are his. Right? Now, Paul says, therefore it says, when we think about by grace, but grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gift, therefore it says, this is why it says this, for this reason it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Christ came and he conquered. Christ came, and he did exactly what he intended to do. So that when he breathes his, his last, he says, what, well, it is finished. And he dies, and he raises again, victorious over death. Right? The greatest foe is defeated. The enemy is scattered. And now, he bountifully gives the spoil of his victory by the Spirit's gifting in our lives. Right? That's what it says. That Christ is victorious and has gifted us according to the measure of his grace. 
So what is our response to all this? What is our response? And we, we think about this and we hear, okay, grace was given to each one of us. And he's going to go on and he's going to go and talk about specific gifts and offices in the church even. Talk about the, the purpose of equipping saints for the work of ministry, the building up of the body of Christ. And we think about each one of us being gifted. And we ask that important question is, what is, what is my gift? What is my gift? Bill, Bill took you to 1 Corinthians 12 the last couple weeks. We heard Romans 12, right? So the question is, what is my gift? Let me give you just kind of four things. If you want to identify your gift, let me give you four things you can do. If you're going, you know, I don't really know. I hear what you're saying, but I don't really know what my gift is. Let me give you just four ways that you can find out what that is, okay? Here's the first one. Very simple. This is your Sunday school answer. Number one, pray and study the Word. Pray and study the Word. Right? It's a novel idea. If you want to know what your giftedness is, first you need to begin with the Lord and in His Word. Right? We need to seek Him to know what is the biblical purpose of gifts. What are God-honoring gifts? I have apparently, or I've met people and known people over the years who apparently thought that, um, that a critical spirit was a gift of the Spirit. I, I don't think that's the case, right? How do we know that? Because nothing of that nature is talked about in Scripture. The whole Scripture, that does not line up with being a person, a guy walking in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ. It isn't, right? Some people say, man, maybe I'm gifted in being the grapevine of the church. Not, not the one that just hears it from the grapevine, but I am the grapevine, right? I'm the one that makes sure everybody hears it. So I, I want to make sure this Sunday that Johnny and Barry and, and Mindy and everybody knows. I got to make sure I get to my people. Well, guess what? That's not a gift of the Spirit. That does not line up with Scripture. You need to pray and seek the Word so you know what gifts are there. You know the nature, the demeanor. Right? What it looks like to live according to God's will. Here's the second thing. Is you need to do some just kind of self-examination. Self-examination. Right? Ask yourself two questions. These are really profound questions. Okay? Get your pen out and paper. These are really, really big. Here's the first one. What am I good at? Right? What am I good at? Here's the second one. What, what do I enjoy? What do I enjoy? You realize that when Paul writes Ephesians and Romans and 1 Corinthians, and then later we'll read in just a minute, 1 Peter, when Peter writes, if you, if you look and you read them, they just seem to assume that you know. They just seem to assume. It's like, if, if this is what you're good at, do it. If you're a leader, lead. If you like to give, give. If you're teacher teach if you like to serve serve right they, they just seem to assume that you know so there, there's sometimes I really think we kind of overcomplicate this issue and we're waiting on this big test I, I just don't know no one's ever given me an evaluation tool maybe God just wired that in you maybe God gave that to you at salvation he gifted you in that way perhaps right so let's think about that that, that we need to look at, what, what are the things that I see in my life? This leads to the third thing. If you have a hard time thinking about that, right? The third thing is seek the counsel of other believers. 
Seek the counsel of other believers. Ask them, what, what do you see in me? I, I'm having a hard time. What do you see that, that I'm good at? What do you see? Have there been ways that I've served that, that you've seen God working in my life or just that really you felt like minister to people? What, what is my value to the body, do you think? How, how could I be involved? What could I do? Right? Just ask other people. That, that's a great role, a great question to ask your Sunday school teacher. Right? This, go through this study. Sometime between next, now and next Sunday. If you don't know, text, call, write a letter, whatever your speed is, have coffee, and just say, you know, can you help me? What, what do you see me gifted with? How, what role is my mind in the body? How, how do you see God working in my life? Right? So teachers, I, I would encourage you to think through that. Think through the people in your class. Encourage them in that. Right? Watch them. Observe them. To build them up. And finally, here's the fourth thing I'll say is, is try new things. Get out and try new things. Parents, how many of you have just kind of, uh, you know, put your hands in your, or your head in your hands because, you know, you sit down to eat and your kid says, I don't like that. You're like, you've never tried it. I don't like it. How do you know you don't like it? Hey, listen, there's some adults in here like this too. I've been on mission trips with you guys. Okay? I don't like that. You've never been to Peru. There's no way you know if you like that or not. Right? I'm not good at that. How do you know? Have you ever done it? No. I just know I'm not good at it. Good for you. You should try it sometime. Right? Go out and serve. Listen, Saturday we have a block party. There's all, way, all kinds of ways to serve, to help out, to be involved. There's an outreach team. There's teams for helping prepare food. There's setup, breakdown, traffic. There's watching the bouncy things to make sure nobody gets in a fight in there. Right? There's all kinds of roles you can play. You can go around talking to people, inviting people. Some of you are gifted at talking. And you need to shift that from talking about or gossiping to talking for Christ and gossiping the gospel. We've got to go there and try it. Try new things. See what you're good at. If you try it and you're terrible at it, then move on. I've been there, done that. You just got to keep going, right? There's things that I'm not good at. You don't want me to play the piano. I would love to be able to play piano, but you don't want me to. So here, here's the final thing, is I simply want you this morning to utilize your gift. Utilize your gift. Paul said it in Romans, right? Paul, Paul says to, to use the gift that you've been given, right? We've talked about how gifts rightly used build unity. I think if I'm not mistaken this morning, you, you talked about how how pride can be a hindrance to the building up of the body. You talked about the importance of humility and asking someone to pray for you, right? Listen, if, if you're pridefully not serving or not trying new things, not using the gifts that God's given you, then I would say that's a hindrance to the body. And that we need to have humility to use our gifts and to step out and to do what God's called us to do. Right? Listen to what Peter writes. You don't have to turn there. Just listen. 1 Peter 4, you can if you want. But 1 Peter 4, being verse 8. 
Peter writes this. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Did you hear what Peter says? Show hospitality without grumbling. To each, he says the same thing Paul did. To each, or as each, has received a gift. And then he says what? Use it. Use it. To serve one another as what? As good stewards. Listen, you need to know this morning that the utilization of your giftedness, the ways that God's gifted you, is a stewardship issue. God has gifted you in a manner for the strengthening of the body of Christ here at Grace. And it's a stewardship issue. We are called to be good stewards of the gifts that God has given us. Let me give you one final thought about this issue. I'll give you two choices today. I'll either have you over to bake a fresh brick oven pizza in my backyard in the brick oven that I hope to one day have but don't so don't really come over because I don't have one but I'll bake you a fresh brick oven pizza and you can have that for lunch right or if you don't want that I can take you to the office kitchen and I'll give you pizza that was served to the youth eight to ten days ago Which would you prefer? Either a fresh pizza or one that you could inflict bodily harm on someone with. Right? You know. Here's what I think sometimes. I I think that sometimes it's not even a matter of, you know what, I don't know where I'm gifted. I think honestly sometimes we know where we're gifted. And we pour that gift out in the community, and in work, for our hobbies. And we either, A, don't do it at all in the body of Christ, or we just give God our leftovers. I I don't think that our gifts were given unto us that God would get our leftovers. Some of you have incredible gifts of administration, of leading, of teaching, of serving, of building. Some of you have a great heart for intercessory prayer. Some of you are the best encouragers there are. And some of you are utilizing that here. And I would say keep doing it because it blesses us immensely and it blesses your fellow church members immensely. But some of you are pouring that out at your job. And rightfully so, you should use what God's gifted you to do at your job. But don't forget that God gave you the gifts he gave you. 
for the maturing and the building up of the body of Christ first and foremost. So I would just ask you this morning to use your giftedness here at Grace and then take that out to our community and use it there. Take that out. Don't so use it there that you just don't have the energy to use it and do it here. And that's the reality for some in this room. And if I'm really honest, that's the reality that is hard at times to carry out some ministries as effectively as they need to be carried out. Because we need you to serve, right? You need me to serve. So let's do that together for the glory of God. Let's build up the body of Christ here. Let's do more than that flawed view of church where, hey, there's this percentage of people are serving and the rest of us come and just come on Sunday morning and worship and then we go home. I don't know what that will look like for you. If you don't know what that will look like, I would love to help you. Pastor Mike, Ricky, Bill, we would love to help you. I think Mark, Father Gill, and the deacons would love to help you. Your small group leader would love to help you. And say, hey, let's get you plugged in. It may be something that you do from home. It may be something that takes you 30 minutes a week to do. You know? It could be very, something very small. Let's use the gifts that God has given us by His grace. Let's pray.